Hello, Sobertown. Welcome to the Sobertown podcast. Let's jump on that sober train and ride right into the incredible, wonderful world of sobriety. And today I have with me an amazing sober warrior. He's an author. He just wrote an amazing book. He's got it in paperback and on audio, on Audible. You can get it from there. And it's Brett Grohl. Did I say that right? No, it's Growl. Growl. Growl <laughs> without the L. Brett that, Growl. There you go. You, you got it, buddy. Boom. <laughs> anyway, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. Born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, the, the city that care forgot. A, a very, very interesting place to, to live, to grow up. The drinks come early and often down here, as so many people know. But I'm born and raised to a family, a very loving family, but one that completely romanticizes alcohol, loves their alcohol, all very good drinkers. I'm kind of the, 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 the lone one that, that is a mess. They're all, they're all impressive with their drinking, but it is, it is rather profuse and evergreen in our society and in the family. So, but you know, it's alcohol's been, got me in trouble a lot throughout my life. I found myself in a situation where I received my third DUI felony conviction and, you know, was about to lose my family, lose my jobs. And it was time, it was time to go. It was time to stop. So I found an opportunity to, instead of hiding in that shame of arrest and addiction, to put it on display on uh, a social media sober support page, I created a group, The Sober Revolution, on Facebook, and then I had the de- made the decision to write a book about all of this, put it on display in the hopes that people could relate to my story before they themselves hit that rock bottom and make the changes necessary to to live the best life that they can and get out of the addiction without having to to be facing the most uh, devastating of consequences straight in the face. So, but uh, but I'm here uh, in New Orleans. I live in Kenner now, right outside of New Orleans, suburb of New Orleans. A lot of people have to have to leave the city to get sober. It's a, it's a tough place to get sober, but I was able to do it without having to leave my family. And, you know, I have a, a lovely wife, Regina, and a beautiful daughter, 16 years old now. Lord help me. And, and life is good and life is great. And I'm just completely in love with my sober life. I made two years a couple of weeks ago and life just keeps on getting better and better. And it's great to be here with you, Drifter. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be on. So, so yeah, that's me. Boom. And congratulations on your two years. How exciting. And Thank you, sir. Let's give people a little bit of background about New Orleans. It's people fly in around from around the world into New Orleans just to drink. They have the Mardi Gras every year. They have Bourbon Street. Let everybody know about that that environment you grew up in. So, yeah, uh, I think you can sum it up. I'll tell you, New Orleans is one of the few places where you can walk down any street, every street, any time of day with a drink in your hand. We have drive-through daiquiri shops. When you literally pull up to a window behind your wheel, pay your money, and they will hand you a very large concoction of alcohol. The uh, the kicker is, the loophole is, they can't have a straw in it. They will hand you the straw separately. 
from the drink. And as long as you take that alcoholic beverage, put it in your console without the straw in it, you can drive around freely and nobody will say a thing about it. So it, it's completely ingrained into our culture down here to, to have alcohol at any and every function, um, mimosa brunches. Uh, I didn't, uh, it wasn't until I left the city to, to visit some friends outside of this state and I was younger in my early 20s where I realized that, you know, five-year-old birthday parties don't have alcohol all over the world. But, but, but down here, it's very common. It's, it's just a part of who we are. And, you know, it, it is what it is. It's, the, it's, a, it's a drinking town. They come early and often with the drinks. You're offered alcohol on every street corner. So, you know, it's just something that we have to, uh, we have to deal with down here, but you know, I'm not, I'm not so sure I would, it's a healthy environment for people that, that have the, the problem that we have. And I'm always amazed with people who can live down here and, and not completely fall into a terrible cycle of addiction. But uh, those people are, are, are blessed with the, not having the allergy that I have. So. But, you know, you learn to be around it in your, in your sober uh, world. Frankly, uh, if I wasn't able to, to be around alcohol and see it without, you know, giving it a whole lot of uh, thought, then I wouldn't really be able to, to be around my whole family, uh, a large list of friends, um, which is why many people find it completely necessary to leave this town in order to achieve sobriety and I get it and I and I'm blessed that it's not such a struggle for me anymore in early sobriety it was a struggle to be around it I kind of had to termitize myself for for a little while but but nowadays uh, I can stay in the culture it's all around me like the, the book says it's a, at so, at at some point we 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 quit the struggle and, and and we're just completely natural around it and we recoil from it and it's all, it's all good, so to say, but, uh, but yeah, New Orleans, an interesting town, uh, a very fun town, love the music, love the food, the alcohol culture is a, a bit puzzling for, for me at times, but, but yeah, it is what it is, man. Well, I just think it's the matrix. It's around the world. It's just more pervasive in New Orleans than other places. So why don't you share a little bit about your journey that led you to write the book? Well, you know, there was an opportunity that presented itself for me. So, you know, personally, I was going through a divorce, my first marriage, going through a divorce. It could be a traumatic thing. That was really the time. That was uh, 10 years ago. That was really the, and I had already, at the time of that divorce, I already acquired two DUIs. So, so I was in this position where I, crawled into a bottle to to escape the uh, trauma, the anxiety, and the, the depression of, of going through this divorce, the split up of the family. And that's where I really entered the, uh, what I call the misery cycle, where, where it's just a, a daily grind your teeth to get through the workday, drown yourself in alcohol and marijuana for me personally. And pass out, <laughs> so you, 
wake up in the morning, grind through. If it wasn't a week, if it was a weekday, grind through the day again as miserable as possible. And if it was a, a weekend and work wasn't a thing, to, to get that alcohol in you as soon as possible, first thing in the morning, to, to just ease the pain. And it just made, ultimately, it, it, a temporary fix for sure to just drown yourself chemically so that you don't have to feel anything you don't have to think about anything and but ultimately you know the next morning when that wears off and that that withdrawal hits you it's just a a miserable miserable thing that made that makes your life just full of anxiety depression and a living in fear so i was i was in that bad cycle I made and living in that, I kind of did a half ass and I talk about it in the book. I did a half ass attempt at sobriety where I went what is called California sober, which is which is where I went alcohol free and I was able to go alcohol free for two years. But I was very obsessively using marijuana during that time as a sedative. So, you know, I. I would call myself sober. I would say I was living a sober lifestyle, but I was high on weed constantly. And ultimately it didn't work. Go figure. It didn't work. That, 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 that I, I never, you never really learn how to live with your brain as is in that type of lifestyle. So eventually the marijuana use, it wore down my resolve to, to stay off of alcohol. I still, had that that conditioning to associate intoxication with rest, relaxation, and good times. It was it, it was basically it's basically for me it was a fake a fake thing, and uh, there was a relapse. It's somewhere in in between there in between and I got remarried in that California sobriety type uh, time of my life. Lo and behold, a few years later, find myself in jail for the third time. Now, this was really, this is the rock bottom that, that spawned me to really change my life. The book, the book starts with the imagery of me waking up in jail during Hurricane Ida. So that was two years ago. We just had the two-year anniversary of Hurricane Ida. So many of us have been in jail. The thing about jail is it is very cold. They keep it very, very cold in jail. And I was arrested literally kind of in the, the, the pre-time, uh, the, the setup, the preparation for Hurricane Ida. It was getting ready to hit within 24 hours. So there was some anxiety, you know, in the area, in the town around that. So I found myself kind of drinking in that uh, traumatic environment on the causeway, the longest bridge in the world, known DUI trap. Found myself pulled over, arrested, thrown in jail, and had to ride out Hurricane Ida in a jail cell. So like I said, the jail is very cold. However, when a hurricane hits and the power goes out and they go to, to generator power in prison, it warms by about 10 degrees in there. And if you know anything about condensation and concrete walls, it just starts sweating. So it was really kind of this gross swamp of an environment being in this jail cell completely surrounded by moisture that is just filled with dirt and dust and bugs because it's not the cleanest environment in jail 
as I'm looking through a small window, I guess I was lucky enough to have a small window in my cell at a hurricane hitting, not being able to comfort my family, not being able to be with them to know if they were safe, how they were doing during this time. And I just thought it was something hit me like this is the perfect metaphor for for how my life is going right now. There is a storm. There is a monster storm going on outside and inside, inside here. And I'm not able to to provide for my family. I'm not being able to 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 do the things that that I should be doing as a father and a husband. So this this is the world telling me that that this is time. It, it it's now or never. This storm this storm is going to kill you if you don't change change your life. So with that, I decided you know we're really going to do this. I'm never I, I I'm done. I'm not going to smoke any weed. I'm not going to have a sip of alcohol for the rest of my life. And I can seem at it like a daunting task first, but you know. As time goes on, it becomes a, a beautiful thing, and it's not such a daily struggle anymore. But what I wanted to do at this point was to, I had the idea to put this whole, this whole experience on display for the world to see. I am not going to hide in my probation. I am not going to hide in the, 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 the journey to sobriety. Let's put it out there. Because, you know, and frankly, the, uh, you know, the, there's so much BS involved. Nobody, it, you, let's be real. Let's put all of our problems out there for the world to see. Let's, let's not shudder and hide and pretend that everything's okay. Let's, let's recover loudly. You know, they say recover loudly so somebody else doesn't, doesn't die in silence. So I decided to do that. I wanted to help people that are like myself make the decision and the steps necessary to get sober before they found their, their, themselves in a similar position as me. But also, there's something, that, that, accountability for myself as well. The last thing anybody wants to be is, is a hypocrite, I think. It's certainly one of the last things that I want to be. So let me put myself out there. Let me kind of be this, this example, this champion uh, for sobriety. Not in the sense that I'm this grizzled veteran in a sober world, but I am going through this right now. Um, a lot of people, you know, in a lot of meetings, people are, are speaking from a, a place of experience where they have, you know, five, 10, 20 years of sober. These really grizzled veterans of sobriety. But, but maybe it's a little bit more of a unique thing in this, in this sober community, early sober, sober community, to find somebody who is who is going through it at the moment that people can relate to. And maybe we can help some people and help myself in turn. And, and the result was the sober revolution, my personal Facebook sober community. We just hit a thousand followers and very thankful for that. And to, and to write this book and put it on display. It's a, it was a book about her. It's a very, it's a personal thing where I was able to, to help my sober life by incorporating an identity of health and wellness and fitness specifically and how the, the link to my, my fitness life and my routine of health and fitness 
I found how it helped me so much in my sobriety world in, in, in the right mindset, really, to, uh, to, to, to achieve the, the sober thing. And I just wanted to help people as much as possible and see if they can incorporate some of this into their life. And it's more than just a fitness book. It's about being the best version of yourself. And it gets into the, it, it starts off, the book starts off with my personal story. And then it goes into kind of what the, the brain is doing in active addiction. It talks about dealing with your past traumas. And then it, we get into, you know, what type of exercises seem to be the best from a scientific standpoint of helping your brain recover from addiction. So it's part autobiographical bi biography, it's part informational, and it's part motivational. And all those three things come together to, to create the book. And I'm proud of it. And I'm glad you enjoyed it as well, Drew. Yeah, I had it on audio, so I was able to listen to it as I drive my truck, and I was blown away because, you know, the causeway, I know the causeway, and to get busted on the causeway a couple times, what a bummer, man. So, like you said, the causeway is the longest stretch of road over water, right? Yeah, it is. It connects Metairie, a suburb of New Orleans, to St. Tammany Parish, Mandeville specifically, on the north shore of Lake Pontchartrain. 26 miles of, of, of two lanes over water. And the thing is, it's like I lived, I lived on the North Shore for a period of time. And I tell people, if you move to the North Shore, no, you might as well move to Iraq because nobody, family or friends, are ever going to come see you. Because especially in this culture, you know, uh, an invite to a barbecue or a party of any sort is going to involve some type of alcohol consumption. And then you're going to have to get back on that bridge uh, and to get back home. And it is, and it's patrolled by, by automation. I mean, there are cameras everywhere that are just depict that are picking up on any type of swerving or anything. So it, it's a trap and you know what? And that's kind of, to that point, it's kind of a cultural thing that helped me get sober to think of, especially in this town. The, a city that invites you to come and have drinks. Uh, however, drink as much as you want, but however, make good decisions. Make the decisions. And if you don't, we are there ready to get you. So, you know, I like to phone in on absurdities. I really do, you know, and, and, and that helps me to, to, to put things into perspective. So, you know, I'll just... On every bottle of alcohol, you know, there's a little, there's a little sign. It's probably this big, but it says, you know, please drink responsibly. I always find that, you know, amusing as can be, because if, as we all know, alcohol and other drugs destroy your ability to make good decisions. So it's like, here's your test. Here's your test. Can you, can you, can you drink this? Can you consume a drug that destroys your ability to think properly? And, and, and make it through. So, you know, so, so let's just stay away totally, but, but yes, the causeway, a known DUI trap. And, and, and it got me twice. The city of new Orleans got me a third time and, you know, but ultimately would you change it? No, because, you know, it's the catalyst that, that finally got me to where I need to be. So, you know, let's, let's take things. Let's keep a positive mindset 
and try to make the best of the situations. And this in this particular situation, the the best certainly came out of a of a bad situation. And and that's probably the thing I'm most proud of with the book is, you know, a lot of people fail to do that, to turn awful situations into a positive situation, a positive thing. And so, yeah, I'm proud of that for sure. So as you put yourself on display for the world to see, you started out with the sober revolution, right? On Facebook. Is that what, how were you decided to let the world see you? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I was like, you know, let's, let's try to help some people as many, much as possible. Let me be kind of this, this poster child for, for sobriety locally and, you know, and then expand and also, yeah. My plan was to get as many followers as possible, to help as many people as possible. And then the, the idea came to me to write the book. And, and I was like, wait, I can use this community to, to kind of market the book to. And the thing about writing a book is, especially when it's self-published on Amazon, the uh, exposure of the book, it depends on reviews purchases and reviews on Amazon for people that have read the book. So uh, I pitched the book to, to my personal group. I gave it away for a period of time for free, hopefully in the exchange of a, of a review. Yo, here's my book for free. Please do me a favor. And if you enjoyed it and you find it useful, leave me a review on Amazon. And uh, I just recently hit 100 reviews. So I'm done with the marketing of the book and, and now we're just going to let it, let it go and do its thing. I don't have to work so hard on, on marketing it, but, but yeah. So when I, when I kind of, you know, started the Facebook group and when I wrote this book, to be honest with you, uh, and people might, yeah, sober people have this experience often in just sobriety in general, but especially when you put it on display to the extent that I did. Some important people, some friends in my life, you know, distanced themselves from me. It's like, man, you're really out there. I mean, you are, <laughs> you are just, you, you're on Facebook. You're talking about, you know, your arrest. You're talking about your probation. You're talking about your life and addiction. It's like, what are you doing right now? And it's like I said earlier, it's like, I'm tired. I'm tired of the BS and let's be real. This is what life is like for me. And so many people, you know, in shame, don't, you know, hide that instead of bringing it to the forefront, acknowledging this is a part of who they are. This is what's going on. Now let's hold ourselves accountable and, 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 and make these and, and make the, the changes that you have, have to make. So that's what I chose to do. You know, it's sad that you have to, you know, kind of lose close ties with some people that you, that you love. And I had to explain to a lot of them, look, I, this book, this group, this sober thing, this, it's not for you. You know, at least not now it's not for you because you're not in a place where you're ready to, you know, to, to label yourself. If that's what it takes, you're not in a place where you consider yourself, you know, problematic. So this is for people that have their hand raised, you know, that this is me. Can we help? Can we help each other? I relate to this. And if it's not you, if you're one of these people who are blessed with a natural ability to take or leave alcohol, have 
a drink or two and then cut hit the off switch bless you i mean i'm amazed by that it, it's not me but 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 this message is not for you so you know i hope that you can understand that and i'm not sh- trying to shame anybody and and you know the message that i'm sending out this is for people who who are looking for a way out so and then the name rip sober how did you come about that name and what was the structure and the approach for the book so rip sober is kind of like an an image thing okay and i talk about this in the book i think it's important self image is such an important thing but a lot of people in in sobriety and early sobriety have this this mental idea that they are born drinkers who are trying this sobriety thing, right? It's like, yeah, I'm, you know, this is something that I've done my whole life. I, I intoxicate myself, but let's give sobriety a try. And, and that's just natural. That's how things start off. But when you can make the switch to the identity of being a healthy, health conscious, exercise type person, and really absorb that into who you are. It becomes, this isn't something that I'm trying. This is something that I am. And, 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 and it's a natural thing. Because when you start putting fitness, diet, all things health-related into your lifestyle, you're not going to want to poison yourself at that point. Okay? It works for everything. Take it a step further. It started off as sobriety. But it's like, okay. This is going well. You get some momentum in sobriety. Let's try some other things now. Let's try diet. Let's try exercise. And what happened with me, and, and I, this was in my California period to begin with, I cut out, I was probably 20 pounds heavier than I was supposed to be by body mass index or whatever. But I just let the mirror tell the story because after about a month of, of being alcohol-free, I noticed, okay, I'm not doing anything different, just cutting out alcohol, starting to slim up here. And then another month in to, to alcohol-free, and it's still kind of a struggle at that point. I'm noticing, oh man, I can see my ass. So, so it's this, you're like, wow, it's the biology of it the universe is rewarding me for staying off of alcohol by oh my god now i have a six-pack so and is that you on the cover this is me and i and i do apologize for the the cheesy cover but my publishing coach thought it was important for me to 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 be kind of imaged of a of a fitness expert <laughs> but by being shirtless on the on the cover i know it's a little bit cheesy but no i to- i think it's badass and you are ripped and it i i think it's badass first well well the, the point of it the title i think it's a good title but you know how many people you know would like to have that type of a seat who would like who would like to feel really good about themselves or, you know both what they see in the mirror and guess guess what you are more likely to achieve the the body that you you want the physical conditioning that you want if you cut out the poison in your life so 
You know, the two things feed off each other. You can be motivated in it in sobriety as you start to see the benefits, the natural benefits of of living a sober lifestyle. It reinforces your conviction to to stay off of these these things that are detrimental to your health and your your mentality. And so, yeah, that's what Rip Sober is all about. It's a good title, I think. I like. I, I do too. So let's talk about stereotypes and the media. How your book is challenging these ideas. Oh man! So I really like this topic. There's a section of the book that talks about the alcohol matrix, and, and you seem to really like that one as well. The the, the great Quintlet author, my favorite Quintlet author, if you're familiar with her, is Catherine Gray. And, and I reference her book, The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober. It's actually a trilogy. It's just a phenomenal book. And, and I took a lot of things from it. And boom, one of the main things that she talked about in her book that really kind of was boom moment, as you like to say, Drifter, was the, the alcohol matrix. And she describes that scene in the movie, The Matrix, where, you know, the camera pulls back and you see Keanu Reeves in his little cocoon with the with the tubes attached to a woman and and you see that you know there's just this field of human beings who are living in this world that is put in front of them that they are programmed into and the conditioning of of the human brain from an early start in life essentially from the very beginning for you to associate alcohol with rest relaxation fun and good times is is so prevalent and it's such a huge thing such a huge tool to to really understand that to really understand that the world the powers that be they want you to be an alcohol consumer every image that we see beer commercials is just god is that really is it it's just it's it's like the a paradise every every alcohol commercial that we saw as as kids and continue to see is just full of people having a great time and, and and all of that stuff but they never show they never show the spare times they never show the the result of of what that alcohol party is gonna is gonna get you they never show somebody you know losing their job losing their family and and you know thinking about suicide it's all just uh butterflies and rainbows as it pertains to alcohol. And the last thing that anybody wants to be is in their natural, beautiful state. So get 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 out of that that natural state as soon as possible, as soon as you can, and enjoy the world. And it's such a facade. It's such a fake lie. It's just that's the matrix that we're living in. That that alcohol is 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 promoting a fun, beautiful, you're going to experience uh, all the good things in life as soon as you get this alcohol into you mentality. And by far, this is one of the, one of the greatest things about sobriety. There's two things that I really, really love about sobriety. Well, first of all is the, the disassociation and it takes work, the disassociation, the mental conditioning to 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 not associate intoxication with fun relaxation and good times 
that is such a, a huge thing. That's what keeps people in their house. That's what keeps people not experiencing the 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 world human emotion is that we are so conditioned to associate getting intoxicated with having good times, dopamine hits, serotonin hits. And now that I don't have that, it's like before a round of golf would have to, you, alcohol would have to accompany that. Uh, a day at the beach, alcohol would have to accompany that. What is the point of even going if you can't have your alcohol? That you're not going to be able to achieve rest and relaxation. And the other thing about sobriety that is is authentic emotion. I talk about authentic emotion a lot. Truly feeling your 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 emotions, your natural emotions. People say that you know, in early sobriety, the 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 worst, the best thing about uh, sobriety is that you feel again. And the worst thing about sobriety is that you feel again, and you have to deal with all these emotions that come into play. And it's and it's it's a shock at first. It's like, well, what, what is all this? And as time goes on, like, wait, this is beautiful. This is a beautiful thing. It's like, the if it's a fun party, it, it's a fun party because the, the people and the energy and the conversation and the connection is all there. And it's in it, the natural, beautiful brain, which is so complex is 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 the chemicals are working perfectly to give you that rush of dopamine of serotonin into your brain to to signal the brain that you are now having a great time and experience the world as it is as the universe intends it intended it to be it's not fake it's not chemically induced isn't it great to be human and have these complex chain reactions, chemical reactions, which bring you joy. And, and yeah, that's what it's about. Which leads into, as you get off the alcohol, you start improving physically. And how does that translate into mentally? Oh, so, so yeah, my favorite exercise, because I'm a big runner. I just ran my sixth full marathon last Sunday. So, so that was fun. And it's part of the book that talks about doing something big as, as well, you know, something that you didn't think that you can achieve. And, and, and I think as human beings, mentally, we are capable of so much more than we think we are. And physically your body tries, if like, take for instance, a full marathon, at some point your body or your, yeah, try, your body is doing something that it's not intended to do. <laughs> and your brain says, Hey, stop this. You know, we're not supposed to be doing this. And if you can channel, you know, the, the proper mind frame to, to physically go further, the, the brain will agree with you. Okay. That we have, we have more, but as a runner, primarily there are meditative exercises, type of exercises, like uh, a lot of cardio it's focused on your breathing and it's, it's focused on the present and there's scientifically you know when you're when you're doing these cardio type exercises the brain is in a healing mode it is in a repair mode and i reference the sources in the book but it's a science there's a science behind it and 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 meditation not just these meditative type type exercises meditation for me is huge in my sober world 
it's meditation is about living in the present, the present moment right here and right now. And I like to say sobriety lives in the present. We can't be dwelling on the past. We can't be, look, don't look forward. I mean, you can look forward to great things to come, but you know, life is going to pass you by if you're not right here in this moment, taking everything in that's beautiful and being here for your, your loved ones, for yourself, for your family and friends and, 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 and be here, be present. This moment, I found myself in addiction, always, always looking, man, things are going to get better once I get to this point. You know, once I, once I'm making the amount of money that I want to uh, uh, make, yeah, I'm going to finally be happy. And, you know, once, once my kid's out of school and I can focus on myself, you know, things are going to be, and, and listen, like life is going to pass me by if I'm completely looking forward to something else that's going to bring me to the spot where I want to be. If I don't bring that spot here now in the present, in the present moment. Um, so, you know, psychologically, I think that's, that's, that's a game changer to, to, to be in the present and to and be the person that you want to be now. It's never going to come if you don't make the decisions and do the work that's needed to be done in this present. The time is now. The great Jimmy Buffett said, I have uh, the watch on. It, it doesn't use hands. It just says now. And, and you know, the watch is never wrong because now is the time. So, so just do it. And the one just kind of naturally leads into the other too, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I'll tell you what, I didn't, I didn't have a dream or at least couldn't recall my dreams for a good 10 years in that active addiction cycle. And this, this one, this, this real one, dreaming is your read up on it and dreaming is your brain healing. That's, that's what happens. People talk about in those first uh, few weeks while they're still in the physical addiction, it's so hard to sleep. And when, and when they do get to sleep, they're just awoken by these, you know, either night terrors or, or just these vivid, strange dreams. And, and that's the brain healing. It's saying, it's saying, wow, okay. It's been so long since we haven't been able to do our complex thing because, and this is the brain talking because we have been completely artificialized by this chemical in the brain. Let me try to get myself back to what I am. And God, the, the human brain is such a complex, beautiful, awe-inspiring thing. It's just amazing. But you're not letting it do its thing by this constant chemical bombardment. And to just free up the brain by the, the physicality of not poisoning yourself and, and, and starting to notice how much clearer, how much, how emotional and just everything that the brain does, it does correctly without that alcohol, without that drug. And you're going to start seeing changes physically. If you get the brain healthy, physically, you're going to start seeing changes. It's just that the way that it works and the body drives the brain and the brain drives the body. And once you start seeing these benefits, hone in on them, realize it's the reward for the work that you're putting in sober wise and, and just go all in, go all in because 
And I was talking about this last night with Kaiser and Glennis at dinner that we do as, as addicts, we do, I do everything excessive. The nature of addiction to me is one of obsessive compulsive behavior. So if there's anything that gives me a dopamine hit, a serotonin hit, any type of euphoric feelings that I like that feels good, I am going to do that to the fullest. I am going to do it compulsively. I'm going to do it obsessively. So you can use that. You can use that for good or you can use that for bad. In this case, when I... The, the exercise, the healthy living, the brain healing. I'm going to do whatever is giving me these good feelings, etc. That's why I can't just run around the block. I have to run a marathon. I can't just be a sober person. I have to create a, a Facebook group and put myself on display and try to help the world instead of just being a sober person and kind of flying under the radar. You know, I can't, I can't just meditate, you know, for, for, for 10 minutes every morning, I have to join a Buddhist Zendo and, and go and go all in. So, you know, that's, that can be a, a gift. It can be a curse. So use it for good. And, you know, you're going to see the benefits in your life. It's going to come back to you tenfold because that's in our nature to be excessive and, and to be passionate and to, to do things just to their absolute fullest. And, and, and I'm using it for the right purposes nowadays. And since you just mentioned the sober revolution, putting yourself out there, let's talk about support systems with your family, friends, your sober tribe. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it, a social media type thing. I'm actually, that's the, my main sober group is the group that I made and, and we get on there daily and we post what's going on. And uh, I take so much from, from the members posting daily on, on how they're feeling, what they're feeling, their, their wins, their struggles. I'm personally not an AA type guy. I love AA. It's helped so many. It's helped millions and millions. And I've read the book and I find myself inadvertently working those steps as well. But there's just more than one way to skin a cat, so to speak, and especially nowadays. So uh, there are the online uh, available groups are, are, are priceless for me. My sports teams, I talk about this in the book. Um, involve, I'm on two soccer teams. I do these races. I'm in a race uh, community. These all remind you that there are things in the world that don't require alcohol, that are not alcohol-based. Also, therapy. Um, uh, therapy is, is big for me. And, and I mentioned a little bit ago, meditation and my, my, my local Zendo. Mid, shout out to Mid-City Zen which is a Buddhist, Zen Buddhism, Japanese Zen Buddhist organization. And I love that community so much. They actually, we actually weekly have a meditation session, sober meditation. So that's, that's something that's really great. It's meditation specifically designed for, for sober people and those going through the process of getting sober. So that's a specialized thing as well. It's a community. It's a spiritual community that I, that resonates with me. 
and 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 kind of those those four things that I just mentioned is are, are my my sober groups and and I'm all I'm very appreciative of all of them for sure. Tell us a little bit about some of the specific turning points and challenges in your recovery that you want to highlight. Oh well, you know, I've definitely you know the rock bottom. The the rock bottom was the catalyst to 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 change things to change things up because I'm looking at losing my family. I've already lost you know one marriage. Um, uh, I was blessed enough to find my, uh, the you know the love of my life, my wife. Now I'm 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 ready. I'm getting ready to lose her. She's done. And you can do a whole nother podcast with loved ones of, of addicts because the, the stuff that we put them through is, is just, you know, it, it's heartbreaking for them. And, and, you know, and it, it, it's not intentional. People, people think, you know, that, that how, why are you doing this to them? How can you do this to somebody that you love? And it's like, I'm not trying to, you know, you, because the, the non-addict struggles to understand the mindset of an addict. And that's, that's really hard for, for the loved ones, the spouses of, of people like us when we're in that active addiction. So, so realizing that I am on the verge of, of losing my wife after this third DUI, I didn't see my daughter for a period of, of, of time. And, and that was you know, really something hard. The idea, and then go back before that, the first stint with California sobriety when I threw away alcohol for that period of time. But that really was, that was the time when I was most physically addicted to alcohol, dealing with the shakes in the morning, dealing with the teeth grinding and just anxiety. When I went through that first divorce and the idea of not having access to your child at any time that you wanted to have access to your child is such an unnatural thing. And it was so depressing and it was so anxiety inducing that I, I drowned myself in alcohol at that point just to, to deal with this, this terrible depression. And the look, alcohol, drugs, they are no medicine for anxiety and depression. And as soon as you, the quicker you learn that, the better you're going to be. It's just alcohol is a depressant. It depresses you. It's just a science, a, a fact of science. Um, so, so, you know, I'll, I'll, the low points are, are turning points for me. And they all, and it's the accumulation of, you know, I needed each one of them to, for, for my stupid brain to realize, look, yeah, you're going to lose the things most precious to you in life. So you better make a change. And, and that would, that's the catalyst. And like I say, as you go along that process and you get momentum in your sobriety, it becomes easier. It gets beautiful eventually. You know, we talk about the saying, you know, one day at a time, right? And, and I understand one day at a time. Because you have to stay aware. And to an extent, you have to stay on guard because that, that, that addiction, that addictive brain will pop up on you. Yeah, story after 20 years of sobriety, you know, people will have that addictive voice that pops into you saying it'll be okay. So you have to stay aware. But at the same time, that day by day type mentality, it, it 
makes it seem like such a struggle every day of your life. And, and, and the beauty of this thing is that in the book talks about it, Bill talks about it in the big books. Eventually, at, at one point, it is not a struggle anymore. You have to stay aware. And I think this keeps people from making the jump into sobriety. It seems like such a daunting task. You're telling me day after day after day, I'm going to have to white knuckle it through, you know, my brain telling me to drink and drink and drink and drink. No, that's not the case. That's how it is in the early sobriety. Yes. But as you get momentum and that brain starts to heal, you do not have to try so hard. Trust me. And that's when it really, really becomes a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and, and I want that for all of you. And that's a, and that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Oh, and that brings us to mindsets and resilience. The mindset that I that I have as I as I live in this culture here is is to remove myself from from the absurdity of of intoxication of, of being intoxicated to have a good time. I look at it from afar. I kind of you know. I don't vocalize all the time, but it's just like, this is a, this is a really bit crazy to me. And I'll tell you, I held a lot of resentment in my teenage years when it was evident that, that you know, I kind of have this thing where I, I drink too much. I'm a problem drinker at this point. Now I'm smoking weed daily and, and family is starting to notice and, you know, and they're telling me here and there. You need to check yourself. And my dad meant well, but I remember when I was 16 years old and I started showing these signs of being a, a problem drinker. And, and, and this is kind of like speaks on to the culture of where we live. He said to me, Brett, you really have to watch your drinking. You really have to, 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 to tone it down because if you don't, you are going to miss out in a lifetime of being able to enjoy alcohol. It's just like, oh, I, I know what you mean here, but, but the, the, this idea that uh, I'm going to miss out uh, by not putting alcohol in, into my body in life, that's the wrong message to, get a, to give a 16-year-old. And at the same time, you know, I'm watching friends and family in this culture who just love alcohol, who romanticize alcohol, who make love to their beverage and everything is, is so revolved. Who are you to tell me that I have a, a problem? I mean, and this is in the 80s. I'll watch you, watch you, you put all four kids into a car, go to a family barbecue, drink all day long, put all four kids back into a vehicle and then drive home, you know, and, 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 and teenagers are are rebellious, but this mindset that it's completely normal to 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 poison yourself. I'm not, and I hate to say it, and, and the mindset one of the best things that helped me most is to fully recognize alcohol as the hard drug that it is. Okay. I've done every drug and at times in my life, I've been, you know, hooked on all the, the major drugs, you know, for a period of time that alcohol and, and weed were always my, my thing. But 
is there any other drug, and people have done all these drugs, is there any other drug that packs the next day pain that alcohol does? To me, no. A hangover is, is the body's way of saying, you just put something really, really bad into your system. So, so I, for me to equate alcohol and heroin, there's no difference to me. Let's fully, let's, let's, let's be real here. Alcohol is a hard drug. It's just so socially acceptable that we don't think of it that way. And, and, and a lot of people that have these, you know, the, I mean, just people in general, the last thing that they would ever want to be is a drug addict. However, twice a week or whatever, you, you completely intoxicate yourself on a drug. That, that is an absurdity. And I like to hone in on these absurdities and, and, and really put them in my heart. And, and, and that helps me, that really helps me detach myself from the situation when I'm at gatherings that involve alcohol and just look back. I'm not trying, I try not to judge people. Most of them don't have the problem that I have and they're able to, to, you know, miraculously, once again, they're even in my brain, they're able to enjoy in moderation. That'll never be me. But in general, the mindset that I have is they're doing drugs. Uh, they're doing drugs. And I'm not going to do the drugs because I, oh, I never understood the idea of doing a little bit of drugs. Just uh, enough drugs to just feel it a little bit. It's like, let's, let's sub sub always substitute alcohol for cocaine or heroin, the quote unquote dangerous ones. Am I going to like go through town? Am I going to do whatever I do to scramble up some money? You call a drug dealer, risk going to, you know, uh, an unsafe place, get my drug, get back home and just do the tiniest amount of it just to barely feel it and then and then throw it all away. I, I don't understand that. And so, you know, mindset wise, alcohol is a drug. And when I started that, I think more than anything. That notion, uh, when I started going public with that, let's, let's, you know, for everything, for every meme that you see glorifying alcohol, let's substitute alcohol for heroin. And I think that was more responsible, most responsible for some of this detaching of close friends that, that oh, nobody wants to be called a drug addict. Well, you know, I, I'm sorry, you know, and I speak of things passionately. I'm sorry. Alcohol is a drug, and if you can't picture your life without a drug in any way, I mean, there are people that are not problem drinkers that just drink socially, but can't fathom a life without, you know, alcohol, you know, without having a drink on vacation or whatever. And addiction is a spectrum. There are different levels of addiction. But if you can't picture your life at, without this drug in some form or fashion present in it, you are at some level addicted and, and, and alcohol is a drug. And, and as, as soon as you fully recognize that and absorb it, might be a socially acceptable drug, but it is a drug. And frankly, and the, the numbers don't lie. And part of this is because of its legality and everything, but alcohol is responsible for more deaths then all drugs combined, and it isn't even close, okay? It's, it's not even close. It's 3 million people a year with alcohol 
and 750,000 with all the illicit drugs combined. So that's a hell of a lot more people. It's dangerous. It's completely dangerous. It's ingrained into our society. Powers that be want us intoxicated on alcohol for whatever reasons. I'm not going to get overly conspiratorial, but it's, but it's, it's beaten into us from an early age. And it's just, this is, don't call it a drug. This is just, you know, the, the great social binder and, and do it as early and often as possible, but don't do too much. Make, make, be, be sure to, to make good decisions while you're doing this. Drug. Be, be responsible. <laughs> be responsible as you do a drug. So how has your recovery helped in your self-discovery? Oh, I mean, I, I think it's just, I think it's just great. The, the, the group that I had isn't just about being sober. It's about becoming the best version of yourself. And, and I think it's important to talk about in, in addiction, we all know about this. You can feel we, we, we make it a reward. We're making it a, a reward to intoxicate ourselves. And it's such the cheapest reward. Like, let's get through the workday. And my reward for getting through the workday is this artificial bit of hit of dopamine by putting alcohol or other drugs into my system. And it, it takes away from the, the natural rewards that you are supposed to achieve from your from your hard work from your business and in, in a business standpoint i don't think it's any uh coincidence that these last two years in full sobriety that i've consecutive consecutively made the most money yearly in those two years each year i'm making even in this recession each year i'm making that's because you're not you're, you're not detaching yourself from from going further by exiting your path by getting drunk every night the the you want you want to keep it going and and the natural rewards is is what's driving you as opposed to you know let's get effed up because i deserve it well what you deserve is is you know a house that you own outright what you deserve is to be able to go on vacations that you that you you know, have worked hard for. What you deserve is to make quality memories with your family, friends, and loved ones. This idea that intoxication is your reward for your good work, it, it just halts the progress that you're making in your life. And, you know, and I think it's something that, that, that comes largely from the powers that be. And, you know, there's a saying that in sobriety, the universe will reward you for your sobriety. And, and uh, I take exception to that because it's you. It's you. We're all our own little universe, but you are reaping the rewards of your own sobriety. You know, it's not some celestial being saying, saying, oh, here, here's your reward of, of more money or better relationships because you have stayed off the alcohol for this period of time. No, it's you putting in the hard work and rewarding yourself for your for your hard work and and by the way it's not such hard work after a period of time it, the blessings just keep on coming so just stay to 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 your path stay to your routine and 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 enjoy enjoy the ride
And those blessings are endless. I mean, like with your family and everything that you're doing, you're engaged. You're there in those moments, man. That's just badass. Yeah, it really is. I remember, I remember my wife told me one time in addiction, it's like, they said, you're here, but you're not really here. And, 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 and that's, that, that stuck with me. And it's, you think that you're, you know, what do you mean? I'm here. We're having a time. No, you're really not. You're somewhere else. And it has to deal with that authentic emotion that I talked about earlier. You're just not in the present moment. You're not in a, a state where you can fully absorb what's going on around you and, and be able to spend the most quality time possible with people. So, you know. So rip sober is also destigmatizing the the stereotypes of addiction too, right? Absolutely. You know, when I first got sober, there was a bit of shame involved. Like I didn't want to admit that I had failed this experiment of alcohol consumption, you know, uh, it's, but you know, let's, let's be real all about it, you know, and, and alcohol is, is the drug that it is. And there is no shame in failing the, the, the contest of consume an addictive, highly addictive drug, but don't you dare get addicted to it. You did wrong in that, in that sense. So there's nothing, tell everybody, there's nothing shameful that, lo and behold, you got addicted to this highly addictive drug that has been, you know, thrown upon you, that has been conditioned into your brain to, to be a part of our, our lives. If there's no shame in it. Please, helps to, to, to be open about it. Uh, it, it. It can't be a secret. If it's a secret, it'll probably kill you. Oh, you know, let's, let's be real and let's own up to, to what this has done to us. And, and it's okay. It's okay to be addicted to these things. Let's, let's just do the work that's required to get past. And understand that the matrix has turned this on you because now you feel that you weren't doing the responsible drinking part. So now you get to feel the guilt, shame, and remorse when they've helped put you in the situation. Yeah, man. Look. I've always been rebellious, right? And and, and in our early years, in in our teenage years, it's like, oh, I'm going to be a badass and I'm going to drink alcohol and I'm going to smoke cigarettes and I'm going to smoke weed and I'm going to be edgy and and, and I'm going to be a rebel. Well, you get once you get to this point, you realize, no, the, the, the real rebel these days is the ones who reject this social conditioning to 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 consume alcohol and you are really uh, the nonconformist now yeah you're the badass that that lives above that now how do I, i'm never going to do what the man tells me to do and let's and let's <laughs> damn the man and let's and let's you know fully recognize that the man wants you to consume alcohol so you know uh, rage rage against the machine said it f you i won't do what you tell me so, boom. That's how, yeah, that's where I live. That's where I live. So, what impact do you want Ripped Sober to have on your audience as they're navigating their journey? Oh, I just want them to take to to see the holistic approach of of you know sobriety, and you know the subtitle of it is 
the fitness routine that got me out of addiction into recovery and how to create your own. This isn't just, you know, me giving you an organized, do this on this day, do this on this day, do this on this day. It's about finding what is best for you. Um, and and, and uh, I like the section of the book that talks about how anything can be a workout. And I just try to do that every day. You know, you can turn household chores into a workout. And that's definitely going to help you get back in favor with your with your spouse, probably. If you're now, you know, making cleaning the attic or 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 doing dishes or folding clothes a workout. Because if you do that rigorously enough, your heart rate's going to be up there. And that could be your workout for a day. And, and in all of these different things that I talk about, the meditative approach is is great. There's a cha- there's a chapter in here about sex. And yep. and and, and, and I really like that chapter. I mean, how many of us want to improve our sex lives with our spouse or with public in general? Well, that's perfectly natural. And that can that be a motivation to keep you sober? Absolutely. And do I think that there's anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. We are sexual beings. And, 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 and to, to be able to turn on your spouse with, with a ripped physique and, and to, and to have, and we can talk about sober sound. We had this conversation uh, last night as well. It's like, you know, and it goes back to the brain producing the natural, the, the, the required hormones to fully experience, you know, feelings as good as possible. In, in the past, I, I thought that, you know, God, we, we always, we, let's get drunk and screw, right? Like uh, alcohol and sex, you know, are intertwined. This is how I'm going to have the confidence to pursue well, a sexual experience. Well, but, but ultimately, you're dulling your senses, and, and it's not as enjoyable as it could be. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And thank God we have, we have sex and all the, the feelings that that, that that brings apart. So that's another thing, you know, to take, to take from it. It's all these, all these just at the holistic approach. And, and the benefits of living a healthy uh, lifestyle and how that so helps you remove yourself from the poison of alcohol and other drugs, the image thing, fully see yourself as a, as a health nut, as a fully human person who, who wants to feed this vessel good things at, uh, you know, every day. And how that's going to in turn make your brain work the way it's supposed to, which is in turn going to give you all these great feelings and emotions and the correct dopamine and serotonin hits that we all love. It all works together and, it, and it's a beautiful thing. And, and also getting to the root of your addiction is a, is a part of it as well. Recognize your trauma, forgiving, not holding resentments. Um, that can go a long way as well. I just, I, you know, it, it's, it, it's a quick read. It's a hundred pages, but I didn't want it to be uh, repetitive at all. Um, it, it touches on a lot of different things. And, and like childlike, much- you mentioned in there and I just, I really loved it become childlike, right? Yeah. It's like the beauty, the beauty of a child is that, you know, the world is, is, is full, is, is exciting and 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 things are are can be great and a child is 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 just you know blown away by the the simplest things that we all take you know for granted in the world 
And and it's because, you know, their brain is functioning as it's supposed to be. Their their brain is not clouded or, or by by chemicals at all. And get back to that. Once your brain starts to heal, you start to see the wonder in the world like a child does. And that's such a beautiful human condition experience. So, you know, when they say get in touch with your your inner child, uh, they're essentially saying Feed your brain good things so it can get back to the amazing state that it was in its childhood where it just absorbs, your brain just absorbs everything. And we know how a child learns and, and, and processes things in just this unbelievably complex way. And yeah, so that's what, that's what to me, that's what they mean when they, when they say, get in touch with your inner child. They're really saying, get your brain back to the beautiful state that it was, that is designed to be in. Boom. I love that. You know, I see at the top of your book, it says fitness series. What's your future plans? So yeah, I plan on doing a couple of more of these, but I think this is everything I have on the sober front, to be honest with you. I don't want to produce the, the same book where I'm kind of touching on the same things. And then, and, and the research for, for rip sober was mostly just living, <laughs> living an addicted lifestyle for 20, for 20 years. And it's, so the research for this one actually took 20 years of experience. You know, I didn't have to like do too much, too much, you know, searching aside from all the things that I've learned in the real world of getting myself healthy. So I think the next project that I'm going to work on that I've uh, kind of started, you know, the work on is from a business standpoint. We've I've mentioned that, you know, how 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 fitness, well, sobriety, we've talked about how sobriety certainly helps in your in your business world, in your professional world. But let's and I talk about that in this book, so I'm not gonna be repetitive, but I'd like to do a fitness book as it relates to how that can help you, how a fitness routine can help you in the business world. And I think part of that is going to be outlining some of these well-known, successful business people in the world and outlining what their health and fitness routine is, and then also how they think. So it may be more of a kind of an informative book about, you know, these people that we would like to emulate from a business standpoint and how they incorporate their fitness and health lifestyle and how they think that it helps them be more successful in business world. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe the title for that one could be fit for work or fit for <laughs> fit, fit for business. How, how a, a fitness routine can help you be more successful in, in the business world. So. Right. You're yeah. unplugged from the, the matrix and you're recreating yourself, man. Yeah. I mean, it all, we're not trying. You know, it's not, it's not a, a, an effort, you know, to be, become a different person. It's just, uh, this is what happens when you live a healthy, sober lifestyle is just, you know, the natural rewards and, and you find yourself changing day to day. My, my wife told me last night that, you know, we're newlyweds again, because uh, you're a different person every day, just a little bit different. Every day, I don't fully know this person. I haven't met this person. You know, I didn't meet this person ten years ago. Oh, and and you're not the same person tomorrow. I love that because we're supposed to change. That's what we're meant to be. That's one continent. 
Things always do and must change. Well, the times they are changing and the world changing and 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 we're supposed to to change with it. And uh, it's about growth and and it happens naturally when you when you do the things that we were designed to do as humans. And nobody was born to be a drug consumer on this planet. That's Amen. You mentioned last night a few times to the podcast, you had a silver meetup yesterday, right? Oh, yeah. I met with Kaisa and Glennis. Kaisa is my fellow administrator for the Sober Revolution, and she has done wonders for that group. She has helped us grow tremendously to over a thousand members. So we've, we've had a relationship on social media, and we've done some of these things uh, together as well, but to actually meet her face-to-face was was a wonderful, wonderful experience. We had a great meal at Two Jags Restaurant um, in the French Quarter in New Orleans and then uh, went down the street to the House of Blues along with our friend Glennis. And Glennis is a, a, a wonderful person as well. And we all sh- kind of shared some good sober stories from, from the past and uh, had a great time listening to some music and dancing to the Mixed Nuts at the House of Blues, 90s tribute band, very nostalgic. So that was fun. But just, you know, great people and, you know, love the, the sober family for sure. Man, put this down in the calendars that there's some sober people that walked around the French Quarter, huh? <laughs> Boom. Yeah, I'm proud of it for sure. I mean, that's one of the things that I'm really proud of is, is being able to be in that environment and, 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 and not feel weird not feel awkward. You know, frankly, a lot of times I, I prefer, you know, being, I mean, there's this culture, there are parties with alcohol and, 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 and there is energy involved with that. As long as people are having good times and, and for all, for me, there's always a part in the party where the vibe changes, right? And that's the later, there's the later you get, you know, and, and the people, uh, the people that have the, the the problem start to show themselves a little bit more, right? And, and the people that don't have the problem are probably, you know, they're, they're slowing down. And the, but when that vibe changes and you feel it, that's when it's time to go. So you know, we we saw the show for about an hour last night, and now it's time. It was time to go, you know, because you know, the later you get, the weirder things get. With social gatherings, there has to be something. That is not alcohol going on, you know, whether it's to watch a game, to, to listen to some music. But the days of, of showing up to a bar, sitting down with drinks and just drinking are over. You know, I, I'll remove myself from that from that situation when the time is right. But but yeah, look, there there are plenty of things to, to take from from the French Quarter, the beauty of the architecture, the, the incredible cuisine. The music, find find beauty beauty in your surroundings, and when you're sober, it's much more easy to absorb the beautiful things that are around you. It's like we had a wonderful meal at Two Jags last night, and you know one of the things people love to have the have their wine when they go out to a to a nice dinner, and and, and that's fine if if you can do that. But on a side note, alcohol numbs your taste buds. Right. So, so you are not able to enjoy that delicious food as much when you're numbing your taste buds 
with alcohol. It's just another, you, it's just, you think that you're, you're increasing your experience. You're bettering your experience, you know, in reality, uh, uh, the, the natural world is, is not being absorbed properly by your brain and your system, you know, when, when alcohol is involved, that's another. So congratulations to all of you guys going down into the devil's den, the French quarter and being able to go through there sober, to me, that's just badass. And that just shows us we can exist in an environment. So what would you say to the person just getting started in sobriety? You know, just just do it. I mean, you, you just have to do it. Don't worry about the daunting task of, of what a life without alcohol or other drugs look like that that's going to change every day the the outlook becomes a little bit different yes it's difficult in the in the beginning but you, there is no two ways about it. your life depends on it do the the, the white knuckling to begin with and for me the going out and, and, and exercising and rigorously in the early days helped me just tremendously i just wanted to exhaust myself so that i could fall asleep in these early white knuckling physical addiction type days and, and and people if you're caught up on this every day is going day by day every day is going to be a struggle trust me it takes work but as you progress you will start seeing that it becomes easier and then eventually it becomes beautiful and trust me nobody has ever regretted getting sober it's just the way that it is. It takes time, but but people that are two, three, four years sober, you you will never ever hear them say, "Man, I wish that I wouldn't have gotten sober all those years ago." Because because life is just great, and you deserve it. You deserve to have the a beautiful, wonderful life full of all the emotions that this magnificent thing called the human brain can produce. You deserve that. Just do it. Jump in, and, you know. And if you and if you stumble, just get back up on the bike, pick up where you left off. Live in the present. You deserve to to experience what's going on now, and and it's a beautiful thing. And I promise you won't be disappoint, disappointed with the blessings and the quality of your life if you just get into it for sure. And go and get involved in the sober revolution. Sure, get into your please. We'd love yeah. to have you. You can find it all, all of you. Find it on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, The Sober Revolution, or Bright Brow, The Sober Rebel is my personal fan page as well. It's a great community. It's a little bit, it's a little bit different in that, you know, we, we don't just focus on the sobriety aspect of it. We focus on becoming the best version of yourself in any way possible. And and we'd love to have you. And there are wonderful people in there. And, and yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. And get me your links and we'll put them in the blurb so that people can just link right over to any one yeah. of these, these places. So, Brett, it's been an amazing conversation right here. I'm really blessed to chat with you. And we're interested in bringing sober communities together, which I think more of us need to do. So I'm going to be seeing you more in your sober community because I'm a member of your sober community too. And Kaisa, man, she is just so cool. She's just an amazing human. She's been on Sobertown too, Kaisa's recovery story. 
there's so many amazing sober people in these sober communities and it's just a, an amazing place to be thank you so much for coming here on sober town podcast no thank you thank you tremendously it's been a uh, real fun it was a great conversation look forward to more in the future for sure absolutely yeah. uh, what's your next book man let's let's meet up again sure we'll do dresser it's been great man i really appreciate it thank you and thank you everybody for listening to sober town podcast boom Bones. <laughs>